This past Sunday, we learned about, from Brother Steve, about Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Y'all remember that? You know what I'm talking about? Can I throw this verse on the screen for you real quick? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is what it says. Very simple. Say it with me. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we haven't done this in a while, but I think it's time for scripture memory time. Y'all cool with that? Oh, yeah. And this one, I need a helper. I'm going to ask Lucy. Would you mind coming up and help me out, Lucy? Is that all right? Come on, Lucy. All right, Lucy. One of our eighth graders. She's been killing it lately. All right, come on up here, Lucy. So I don't know any motions for this right now, but we're going to come up with them on the spot, okay? For those of you who don't know, we love to memorize Scripture in middle school ministry. And the way we do that is not just by, like, writing it 100 times in the chalkboard. What we do is we like to say our memory verse with hand motions because not only is it kind of tacky, but it also is really funny to people who watch us. So we're going to come up with them right here. The first one says this, but you will receive power. So what can we do? Maybe, but you... receive, and then power. Can we do this right here? Yes. Power. Okay, I can get with that. I can get with that. Y'all want to try this? Y'all want to get all the way through it first? Y'all want to get all the way through? Okay. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, like a dove maybe? Is that kind of like? But the Holy Spirit? Y'all cool with this? Kind of like that uh, Napoleon Dynamite kind of dance? You know Y'all with me? Yeah. I'm with you 100%. Okay. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you again, is that again? Yeah. Yep. Has come upon you and you. Be my, how about witnesses? Like, so, like, talking. So. Ooh, yeah. You will be my witnesses. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. But you will be my witnesses. What do we do about this one? Um, how about walking, maybe? Like, walking across the street. You will be my <laughs> witnesses. Hello. Oh, wait. I got it. I got it. Here we go. But. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Is that cool? Yeah. Y'all with that? Let's, let's make sure we're on the same page right, with this. Right. And then we're going to teach these guys how to do it. Is that cool? Yeah. All right. So it starts off, but you will receive power, firepower. Okay, perfect. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's okay, right? Y'all got that. Y'all with us? Do y'all need to stand up or do y'all feel good sitting in your chairs? Well, get on your feet. All right, here we go. The people have spoken. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to hear it loud and proud from the top. We're going to start with the first part. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. All right, here we go. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Let's try it again. You want to go again one more time? But you will receive power. Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem 
and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Bravo, well done, well done. And one more round of applause for Miss Lucy in the house. Way to go, thank you so much. All right, all right. I think y'all are ready now. I think y'all are ready to jump in. Tonight I got two things I want to share with you, and it's directly from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We're going to keep this, this verse on the screen for a moment because I want you to be able to see this. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come, on, come upon you, and you will be my what? Witnesses. Witnesses. If you're taking notes tonight, the first thing I want to share with you is this. God has called you to share Jesus. God has called you to share Jesus. I don't say that because Corey's making that up. I say that because that's what the Bible says. This is just one verse throughout many verses in the Bible that talk about everyone who is a Christian. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you tell me, eyeball to eyeball, you're looking at me right here, you say, Corey, I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose from the dead to save me, and that because of that, my life is different. If you were to tell me that's your story, then what I'm telling you in this room right here is that God has called you to share Jesus. And I'm not talking about share Jesus necessarily like, it's your birthday, I packed a package up, and there's a cake, and it's got Jesus on it. You know, that's not what I'm saying. What I mean by share Jesus, I'm talking about what we've been talking about together as a group for the last two weeks. Anybody got their salvation bracelet on their wrist? Anybody got one on right? Right here, I saw it earlier. Yeah, bingo. Yeah. Some of y'all put it on your backpack or whatever it was. We talked about what Jesus did 2,000 years ago by looking at the salvation bracelet. Shh. Everybody's like, I got on my bracelet, yeah. Second week, we got in groups together and we said, how do you share the gospel? Really, like how do you do this? Because it's kind of hard for me to walk up to someone and say, hey, you've been called by God to share the gospel without putting the tools in your belt to go to battle and deal with it. Like, it's kind of difficult for me to call you to come build my home, Reese, if you have no idea or have any of the tools to build a home. So last week, I tried to put all the tools I could in your belt, as a metaphorical sense, put all the tools that you needed in your belt so that you'd be ready and equipped to do what God has called you to do. Does that make sense? So here's the idea. When, when Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth, what does he mean by the word witness? You see, the gloss, like the glossary, gloss, what's, how do you say it? Glossary? All right, sorry. I was stuttering for a minute. All right. The glossary definition of a witness is this. Someone who gives a testimony or evidence or proof of something. That's a witness. Someone who can give an evidence or a testimony or proof of something. So when Jesus says, you're supposed to be my witness, what does he mean by that? What does he mean you're going to be my witness for that? Anybody got an answer they want to give? What, what do you think it means? Disciple. Like a disciple. I'm with you. A disciple is a witness. But what does it mean for you to be a witness for Jesus? Right here. I'm going right here. Share your testimony about how Jesus is the king of Yeah. That's exactly right. If y'all didn't hear what he said, he said, to be a witness is to share your testimony about how Jesus has changed your life. 
That's what it means to be a witness for him. Could you imagine if this room, across the entire room, look, look, just look around real quick. Think about if all of you were to go about your week and think about this. If you were to live on mission with this one goal in mind, I'm going to give a testimony to people around me that Jesus is really who he says he is and that he can really change their life just like he's changed mine. That's what Jesus is assuming. That's what he's saying here when he says, you will be my witness. It's not like, hey, if you want to be on Monday, you know, you could be my witness. But if you're not feeling good on Tuesday, listen, just, just hang tight. He's saying, no, you are his witness. You're a witness. You are called to share Jesus every single opportunity that he opens in your door. You ought to be ready and willing to be able to share Jesus. Now, I'm going to be level with you. I'm going to shoot it to you straight. Like, it's a, it's a challenge to share Jesus every day. You all with me? So for me to stand up here and say you should share every day, listen, I struggle with it just like you guys. Like, it's a challenge for me to constantly walk around and look for opportunities to share Jesus, but that's what Jesus is calling us to. People love to hear a testimony or evidence of what someone has done. I'll tell you this right here. I just went on my trip to Panama a few weeks ago. Y'all remember I talked about that rib current that was pulling that guy in? Remember that moment, right? Sometimes sin takes you a little bit too far, and you're like, how did I get here? Next thing you know, you're in like a trap, and you need someone to save you. That's Jesus, by the way. That's him. Well, this moment, I was in Panama a couple a month ago, and um, I made a decision that I was going to go fishing. So I, I talked to this guy. He set me up to go out into the ocean, and he was going to take me fishing. But fishing this way is not with uh, a rod and a reel where you, like, throw a line in the water and wait for a fish and reel them in and then take them off the hook. That's not what I was doing. What I was doing was I took this, like, long rod that had some rubber bands on it that you would pull, big rubber bands, you would lock it in place, and it would shoot. When you pull the trigger, it would shoot a spear out that has a string attached to it. I know, pretty crazy. So you would swim down. You would have your snorkel gear on. You would swim down about 15 feet underwater. You would look around on the coral reefs. You would find a fish that you would want to take home and eat for dinner, and you would shoot it. It would go right through the side. You'd pull it in, and you'd throw it in the boat, and that was your dinner for the night. So we were doing this in the ocean, and I'm going to be honest, I was hot trash at it, okay? I was real bad. I didn't understand. I didn't, know, I didn't estimate like how much the waves were going to be moving you while you're just like in the middle of the ocean, and then on top of that, these fish were hard to hit. I missed a lot. But here's what happened. I was diving down. I went to shoot a small redfish. I went to shoot. I missed. And I'm like, way to go, Corey. You're just as bad as the last time you pulled the trigger. Let's try it again. So then I'm pulling this thing in. I'm trying to get my gun loaded. And I'm not making this up. A huge mahi-mahi, it's like this big, swims right by me. It's like cruising. And I'm like trying to get my gun loaded again. I'm trying to get this bad boy going. And I'm not kidding. I'm staring at this guy for the longest, trying to get my gun loaded. It is not happening. I, this fish is right here. All of a sudden, as it's moving around me, circling me, just kind of curious, I look right behind it, and I cannot make this up. There's a five-foot nurse shark right behind it. And it's swimming, like the mahi is right here, right behind it, it's swimming like this. And I'm like, all right, where's the boat? You know, that's what I'm thinking. Where's the boat? I was terrified. I really was. And I'm going to be honest. That day, I saw four sharks in the water while we were out shooting. And I want to show you a, a video of one. Is that okay? I have my GoPro. I want to show you this. Because some of y'all out there, some of y'all out there are saying, I've heard about these fish stories before. I've heard about them. People always say, it's a fish story. It always gets bigger and bigger. I promise. This is a real life shark story in the action. I got to experience myself. Can we roll the footage for us? Thank <laughs> you. 
Yeah, this is the uh, snorkel gear. It's top shelf, one of the best quality in the world. Got it from a Panamillion guy. Yes, I'm swimming down. I'm probably at about 10 feet right here. I turn around, it's about 15 feet at this spot. And you can see there's the beautiful coral reef, but right here is a gnarly shark just sitting on the ocean floor. Y'all see this, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was gassed up. I was pretty pumped. You can hear it right here, I come out of the water. That's right, I was pumped. I was pumped. I'm not gonna lie. I was excited about it. Uh, it was pretty crazy. I tell you all that because here's the deal. People tell stories all the time, but I'm telling you, I've got the evidence about what happened to me while I was in Panama. I've got real footage, real evidence of what I experienced. And here's what happened. When I came back from that trip, you can ask my team, I was telling everyone about this trip. I was so pumped. I was like, dude, I was shooting fish and there were sharks and I don't, Shamu came up. I don't know where he was at. He was somewhere in the story too. Like I was just pumped about what happened in Panama. When I was in eighth grade, I got fired up about Jesus, y'all. Like I got real fired up. I started reading my Bible for the first time. I was reading in Genesis. And like, it was like for the first time in my life, I, like for the first time I fell in love with following Jesus. Like, it was so fun to me. And when I went to school, I would carry my Bible with, I'm not kidding, I would carry my Bible with me to school, and when I finished my work, I would prop this bad boy out on my desk in the middle of class, just begging someone to ask me what I was reading. I mean, I was, I was pumped. I was like, someone asked me right now. They'd be like, what you reading, man? I'm like, man, it's the Bible, bro. I gotta tell you about it. Like, I'm like, I was just like, I was pumped. I was excited, man. I was excited about what God was doing in my life. I was so excited about it that I'm not kidding. I went to school and my goal in the whole day was how can I give a witness? How can I give a testimony about who Jesus is? And sometimes people didn't want nothing to do with it. I get it. You talk to some folks and like, man, that is not for me. And I'm like, it should be, but it's all right. It's okay. You talk to other folks and they're like, man, I've never heard anyone ever talk about Jesus like that. Be real. You go to your school. Who in your school is talking about Jesus in a way where they're like just gassed up, pumped to talk about him? Nobody. Nobody. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. This is going to be a hard question now. I'm going to shoot you straight. People... Is the reason that people are not sharing testimonies about Jesus is because that they really haven't experienced that kind of relationship with him. It's hard to give a testimony about something you haven't ever experienced. You can't go to your school and carry your Bible around and act like it's awesome if you don't love your Bible. You're not going to go to school and tell people, hey man, you need to get saved and follow Jesus if he hasn't rocked your world and changed you upside down. I'm going to be honest. If it's not y'all, who is? If it's not going to be y'all bearing a testimony about Jesus, who else is going to do it? Jesus has called you to share Jesus at your school. He's called you to share with your friends. If you're struggling with sharing Jesus, then let me ask you this. Are you experiencing it? 
Because when you experience something this awesome and this great, this life-changing, then you cannot help but want to talk about it. All the time, Michelle was up here a minute ago. Michelle, every week, is pumped about what she's learned about Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, listen, I'm like, I could sit and talk with you now. We can have fun. I'm ready to see the whole room be excited about what Jesus is doing in their life and go to their schools, their friends, and their family and can't help but talk about it. Number one, God has called you to share Jesus. Number two, if you're taking notes, it's real simple. Actually, I want to go through some verses real quick. There's one more. Acts 20, 24. It's a really good verse. I learned this while I was on a mission trip once, and it has stuck with me. It's one of my favorite verses that Paul says. Acts 20, 24. This is what Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus. He's been with these guys for a long time. This man's been doing life with them, ministry with them, teaching them, discipling them. And this is his world in the city of Ephesus. And Paul is getting ready to leave Ephesus and go back to Jerusalem. And uh, to be honest, like the, when you see the letter to the Ephesians, you've ever read the book of Ephesians, right? This is who Paul's writing to. This is his group. And this is what he says. He looks at them side by side and he says, I do not count my life. Paul says, I don't count my life of any value as precious to myself. I don't count my life as any value nor precious to myself. What does that mean? Anybody want to translate that for me? Reese, I'm going to ask you, you. You know the Bible. Come on, talk to me. It says, I don't count my life as any value or as precious to myself. What is Paul saying by that? The first part of it, but I, don't, I do not count my life of any value nor as precious to myself. What is he saying there? Well, it's not my life. Yeah. It's yeah. And it's not worthy of anything in this world. Yeah. He's saying, he's saying I don't care about my fame. I don't care about my name. I don't care about my glory. I don't care about how popular or not popular I am. I don't care about that. My life, my comforts are not worth anything of value to me. So what does he value? That's the question. If he's not saying that his life is worth anything to him as far as like, he's not concerned about his well-being, but he's concerned about something greater than that, what is it? That's what he says. Basically, I count my value in this. If only I may finish my course or finish the race, in the ministry or the task that I have received from God. So what is he saying? He's, Paul is saying, I don't count my life as a lot of value. My number one value in my life is that I would complete the race and finish the task, finish the ministry that's been given to me. So here's the question. What is the race? What is the task that's been given to Paul? This is, bingo, Michelle's on it. Michelle's like, she's, she's doing some, uh, uh, she's skipping. She's got some spark notes over here. All right. To testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Say it with me. To testify, oh, we gotta say it together. One, two, three. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Man, this man is saying, Paul's pumped about this. He says, my number one goal in life is to bear witness about the good news of the gospel. But just think about it for a moment. When you show up at the mix, is your number one goal to bear witness about who Jesus is and what he has done. When you show up at school, is one of your main goals when you get there. My, I count my day as success if I've gotten the chance to bear witness about who Jesus is. When I show up with my family and my friends, 
My number one, my number one goal is to bear witness about what Jesus has done and how he has lived his life. I'm going to give you this. That was on the ground, I think. That's the deal. Paul says that is the goal in life. He was not concerned about his fame or popularity. He was concerned about making Jesus famous. One of my favorite verses, I'll go to one more, and I'll be, I'll be done on this side. We'll go to our second spot. Is Romans 10, 14, and 15. It's so simple. It says, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? Meaning, how can someone call out to God if they don't believe in God? And how can they believe in God if they have not heard about God? Saying, if, how can someone ever make a decision to follow Jesus if they don't even believe in Jesus? And how can they believe in Jesus if they've never even heard about Jesus? He says, how blessed are the feet of those who go bearing the good news of the gospel. And what he's saying is, blessed are those who bear testimony, who are witnesses, who share Jesus in their normal, everyday life, who go in the journey of life sharing Jesus. So here's the question. If we've been called to share Jesus, the other side of that is wrapped up in Acts chapter 1. He says, you'll be my witnesses where? Oh, Jerusalem. All right, y'all were, y'all were uh, about 50%. I'm cool with that. I'll take that, all right? Here's the deal. I'm going to pull this over here real quick. Actually, I'll leave it right there for a moment. Second point tonight, if you're taking notes, be quick, and I'm almost done. God has called you not just to share Jesus, but you've been called by God to go. God has called you to go. The question is, where? This verse right here says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Can I show you a picture on the screen real quick? I'll pull this down for those who can't see. Right here, if you look on the map, Jerusalem was the main city that these guys were gathered in right now while he's writing to them in Acts chapter 1. Jerusalem, big city there. Judea is the outer surrounding area right here. You see it in the yellow circle. Jerusalem, Judea, and then the last part, Samaria to the ends of the earth. Y'all see this constant kind of expansion here? Y'all see how it gets further and further apart? Jerusalem was a small city. Judea was like the county area or like the state, which you would see, but like Memphis and then Tennessee, right? Y'all, y'all track me there? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria would be like a place that's far off, that's different ethnicity, different culture, different people, all of that. And then to the ends of the earth is like saying basically like anywhere beyond. Y'all track with me so far? Y'all with me on that? You can take that off the screen. You're fine. I want to show y'all a picture real quick. I want to ask y'all the question of what does this mean in 2021 for someone who's in sixth grade, seventh grade, or eighth grade? What does this verse mean to you today? So let's start right here. Let's let this one represent. That's my best at Jerusalem, okay? I apologize. That's Jerusalem. (laughs) I know it's bad. Just don't judge me, okay? I'm just kidding. (laughs) I feel like doing it. I feel real bad. All right, I'm going to pull it right here. Jerusalem. You've got Jerusalem. 
if Jerusalem, for these guys in Acts chapter 1, represented their hometown, their home city, what would represent your Jerusalem right now? What represents your Jerusalem for 2021 as a middle school student? Where is your Jerusalem? What do you think in the back? Your school. Way to go. Your home? Your home. Way to go. It's your home. Yeah. What else could represent your Jerusalem? What'd you say? Can you get your hand raised? Let me see. Where you at? Your community. Yeah, I'm going to put that right here. Is that okay? I'm going to do your home right here. Your community. What else could represent your Jerusalem? Your neighborhood. Anyone from over here got an answer? Right here, man. Your city. What else could represent? Right here. Your church. There's one big one that y'all haven't said that I thought y'all would. I'm going to go right here. Your county. I think it's all in that side right there. Yeah. One more. Y'all got it. Come on. What is it? Right here. Your friends. Oh, that's a good one. You got your hands reached out. No, that's too big. Your school. That's a good one, man. That's what I was looking for. I'll put it right here. Okay, 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 okay. Jerusalem would be your school. You may got more. There's, there's more. This isn't an exhaustive list. This is just a couple. You've got your home. You've got your family. You've got your school. You've got your neighborhood. You've got your community around you. Maybe your sports team. The Lord has called you first and foremost to go to those places and be a witness. That's hard, right? Can I, really, I mean, that's, that's hard. I think sometimes it's most difficult to share Jesus with the people that are right around you. Like the people that are in your inner circle are some, sometimes the most difficult to share Jesus with. I'll be honest. A couple, I, I always say that I'll be honest. I, I should be honest all the time, right? That should be the case. Um, <laughs> uh, the Lord called me to share the gospel with, I told you all a, a couple weeks ago, like a rally, I think. The Lord called me to share the gospel with my family at like a 4th of July deal. And I was like, Lord, there's no way I'm sharing Jesus with my family. Like, that's awkward. I was like, there's no way. And the Lord was just really hammering me on it. And I eventually shared the gospel with my family. And, and it, was, it was difficult, y'all. But I knew that's what the Lord wanted me to do. I sat down with my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my mom, my dad, my sister, all my nieces and nephews, all of them sat down on the back patio of my mom and dad's house. And I shared with them about who Jesus was and what he did for them. And that was probably one of the moments in my life, I would say, top 10, that I would say was required some real faith for me because it was a real challenge. It was hard. It was really difficult. I'm telling you right now, one of my cousins got saved out of that night and has not looked back. He serves right down. He's probably in young adult ministry right now, serving with them with their booth. I'm not, it's so God. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. I would have never, no, no, I would have never, Right here, right here, right here. I would have never have shared, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put myself in that spot where I thought I would have been embarrassed 
or I, I would have just thought, what are they going to think about me? All these things. I knew God was calling me to do it. And I wanted to obey him more than I cared about my life or what I looked like or about my popularity. I just want to obey the Lord in it. And students, I just want you to know from your pastor to your middle school team to your leaders in the room, it's hard to share the gospel with the closest people to you. But I promise you're the number one person in their life that has the value and the opportunity to share Jesus with them. I promise it's worth it. And God has called you to share with those people. They're in your Jerusalem, first and foremost. The next would be your Judea, which would be, I think, even bigger. It could be your Memphis community. This is what we do all the time with um, uh, Bellevue Loves Memphis uh, or Jesus Loves Memphis coming up this week, all that kind of stuff. Like this Saturday is a great opportunity to serve in your city. It's a great opportunity for it. Bellevue Loves Memphis and Jesus Loves Memphis are a great opportunity to serve in your city, to share Jesus right here in Memphis, Tennessee, which would be your Judea. It could be even bigger. It could be your, man, it could be a mission trip somewhere in the United States. That could be your Judea, man. Whatever that looks like, it's going somewhere outside of your normal routine to share Jesus with them. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? In high school, they take trips all the time. They take trips that are both local and international. And let you go. And that's what I would say for the international. The Sumeria one is one that I would say maybe even is bigger. It could be somewhere that's like going on a mission trip. Like when I was in uh, middle school, we went to Joplin, Missouri. Joplin, Missouri. Y'all probably don't know much about it unless you watch the news, I don't know, 15 years ago, which I know y'all are 15 years old probably. I don't think so. Yeah, it didn't work. But <laughs> Joplin, Missouri. Huh? Okay, well, his friend lives there. Uh, there was a bad tornado that came through there and it tore up a ton of homes um, many years ago. And we went as a middle school ministry. We went to Joplin, Missouri, worked with a thing called World Changers, and we repaired this lady's roof all day long. I didn't know how to do a roof. I had no idea. But I got up there in the heat and was hitting my fingers with that hammer over and over again. And at the end of the day, we had to share the gospel with that lady. And that was our goal. We were going to go to our Samaria, which was Joplin, Missouri, to share Jesus with someone. It was a little bit further away. It was about six hours away, seven hours away, something like that for us. We went and shared the gospel with them, and that was it. When I was in college, even in high school, my last year, I went to Brazil. I went to Istanbul, Turkey. I went to the Philippines. I went all over the place. And my goal was I'm going to take the gospel to the places that are hard to reach, the places that are far away to share Jesus with them. Students, God has called you right here first to your Jerusalem. But it doesn't end right here. The Lord has his heart and his affection set even further than just Memphis, Tennessee. He cares about, man, the Joplin, Missouri's and the Sao Paulo, Brazil's, and the Istanbul, Turkey's, and the Cebu, Philippines. He cares about people all over the world. And guess what? He wants to use you to take the gospel to the people in your Jerusalem, in your Judea, in your Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Does that make sense? How awesome is it that the God of all creation looks at each one of you in this room and says, I don't care about what qualifications you have. I don't care about how much experience you have. I don't care if you're the best speaker or teacher. I choose to use you to take the, take the name of Jesus to the nations. Jesus chooses to use you. He wants to involve you in the mission. And you know what's cool about that? Can I be real with you? 
Like, there's nothing good in Corio hair that's worthy of picking me to go share the gospel with. Like, I'm not, I'm, there's nothing cool about me to stand up here on Wednesday nights and share with y'all about what Jesus has done. But my goodness, praise God that he invites me into that and says, I'm going to use you. I want to use you. And you're going to experience something way greater than anything you could ever come up with by being just used by the Lord, by being obedient to what he calls you to. Students, best life you could live is one where you're being obedient when Jesus calls you to share Jesus. You're going to see your friends have their lives entirely changed by the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. You get to play a role in that. Here's the question. Will you begin right now while you're in middle school to be part of that? I'm going to ask Reese, because I've asked her a couple times. Reese, if you could go back to your middle school days, what would you do different? I'd share the gospel more. Share the gospel more. If I could go back to middle school right now, I, one, I would change my outfit. That's for sure. All right? <laughs> but number two, if I could go back to middle school right now, if I go back to middle school right now, I would walk up to my friend Trevor Reap and that I sat beside every day in history class and I would tell him, eyeball to eyeball, I would say, Trevor, Jesus has changed my life and he can change your life too. I would walk up to Katie, who I sat beside all the time in class, who I know was in all kinds of things that she made mistakes in all throughout middle school. I wish I could have just told her about the great hope and joy there was in Jesus, sixth grade and seventh grade. I would look at my friend Cody, who is one of my best friends. I went four years in middle school and one year in high school without ever sharing Jesus with him. No, man, it's serious. Like, like I don't know where he's going to spend eternity. I had three to four years with him that I was his best friend. I never shared with him about who God was. I go to my friend Molly, who I grew up with all the time, was one of my best friends. And I would have shared with her about how Jesus could change her entire life if she would just surrender to him. Students, I can name you, students, like friends of mine, Saba Kimmy and Tori, and I can name you all the, my people, Dylan, who, who cares nothing about, he's an atheist now. I wish I would just share with him about what Jesus was doing in his life. I would go back and talk to them face to face and say, Jesus loves you. He can change you. He died on the cross for you. All you gotta do is believe in him. I would have shared the good news of the gospel with so many of my friends. Now's your chance, y'all. Sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, now's your chance. You've got friendships and people, peers all around you in school, in your life right now that deserve to hear the good news of the gospel. Please give your life to being a witness in your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Y'all think y'all can do that?